Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi everyone, it's Will here from We Are West Ham. I just wanted to let you know, this week's podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Your Eleven. And you could win yourself a totally free, bespoke A3 print of your all-time favourite West Ham Eleven by entering our competition. The guys over at Your Eleven have released their opening series of prints and We Are West Ham are looking forward to receiving our Cult Eleven piece including players like Ludo McClosco, Paolo Di Canio, Mark Noble, and of course, my all-time favourite, Super Thomas Repka. But you can win a print of your own, designed by you to include all your favourite Hammers players and the classic kits in which they are most well-known. To enter, simply head over to are underscore West Ham on Twitter, follow our account and the guys at Your11, retweet the We Are West Ham competition tweet, and tag one of your football-loving friends in the comments. The winner will be decided on Sunday and we'll DM the winner with details so you can get picking your players. Other Team 11s are also available to order. Classic options of legendary Premier League sides as well as bespoke options to create your very own dream team. Head on over to at your underscore 11 on Twitter or Instagram to see what's on offer. Good luck. Welcome to another week of We Are West Ham. Will Pugh, James Jones and me, Charlie Hawkins. It's been a special few weeks talking with the boys. Everything where West Ham is concerned. Will the season resume? Will we see the conclusion of this Premier League season? But not only that, the heavyweight guests that have joined us, Bianca Westwood and most notably you would have seen, or if you haven't seen in the last few days, Hammers legend, the big TC, friend of the show, Tony Cotty, has been on talking to the guys. You can catch that podcast and we're going to play you a little bit of what he said later as well as a special bonus segment and also talk about what he had to say and, of course, those big headlines, Declan Rice and where West Ham should be going. They are a club that should be fighting for Europe. But before we get into all that, we know another reason why you're here. It is the Road West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. That is coming up at the end of the show and a roundup of all your headlines. But we throw to the boys first. Boys, how are you? I know not only did you speak to legend Tony Cotty, how are you in this time? I can have seen, looking at you, James, it's been a very good week. Yeah, it's been, it's been quite a good week. I've um, spent an hour and a half, almost two hours with my childhood hero, Tony Cotty. So uh, that was pretty good. Uh, work's not been too bad. I'm still... Uh, feel like a prisoner in my own home given the lockdown but other than that you know trying to make the best of it so yeah f- feeling good and uh, looking forward to tonight's show yeah happy he's happy almost lost for words Will it's weird we miss football we're a football podcast obviously about West Ham but strangely in this time maybe a positive that has come from it is we've spoken to the likes of Tony Cotty Dean Ashton Bianca Westwood Sam Incasol you know Rasheen Thomas everyone's joining a pod at the minute and we've been able to grow and just get really good views and insight into what is going on at the club at this time. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's thrilling. But first of all, it's nice to uh, nice of James to admit that he spent a couple of hours with his, his childhood hero yesterday, and now he gets to spend an hour with his two adulthood heroes, which is obviously <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, but brilliant. Like James said, me and Jonesy spoke to Dean Ashton the week before for nearly an hour. And then to have one of West Ham's all-time great strikers on. And honestly, what a great bloke Tony Cotty is. We just sat there chatting away. It wasn't really uh, it was easy to forget we were doing an actual podcast at times, just listening to Tony talk. And you know what? I think he he gets a bit of a bad rap from fans who perhaps don't support West Ham, who just see his work on on Sky. But yesterday, Charlie, some of the things he was saying, particularly about Declan Rice, just really made sense there was no you know he does support West Ham he does care about West Ham he loves the club but he spoke really pragmatically and really sensibly about the situation he's one of the main things that I sort of picked up or that that stuck with me was the way he said you know West Ham should just immediately double Declan's wages they should pay him twice what he's on at the moment which is around 30 grand a week because it doesn't matter how old he is he's one of the best players at the club He's an England international and he's obviously on his way to huge things in the game. So just pay him that money, secure his value um, and and go from there. But there was, like I say, if, if anyone hasn't listened already, Charlie, then that's available on wherever you listen to the We Are West Ham podcast normally. That was an hour and a half episode in total, that exclusive interview that James and I recorded with Tony just yesterday. So uh, yeah, get on over to listen to that. We'll touch on a few of his comments a bit more later on tonight. But once again, Charlie, coming into the pod, as Jonesy touched on there, just in a really positive mood after bagging another excellent guest. And I think we're lucky, though you mentioned about lock time, everyone's just got way more time on their hands during lockdown. Yeah, way more time. And, and the lovely thing about it is way more time to speak to us. And it, and it does sound a little bit cliche. You know, we get to speak to legends, idols, heroes of ours when we were kids, but also hopefully for you as well, the listeners, because not only do we get to share that time, you get to hear and share their stories, their anecdotes of playing in the team. And you've, you've come to us in droves and we can't really thank you enough for that. Not only are you getting in touch, but James, we're doing a competition and people have been getting in touch and giving us another review on iTunes. Yeah. I don't know whether people have seen on, on Twitter recently, but uh, as a company called Your Eleven, which uh, sort of, you know, got some really nice looking um, wall prints where you can choose your best West Ham Eleven and have them on a wall print for your wall. And so um, we teamed up with those guys at Your Eleven to, to give away uh, one print with, with the winner's choice of their best 11 West Ham players of all time. Could be anyone. Um, so uh, if you head over to our Twitter page, you can see how you can enter that, that competition. It's a really, really cool looking print um no i really want one um unfortunately i can't win the competition um but yeah um it's this it's a really really good good thing and they're doing some really good stuff so if you fancy a print the all-time best 11 um it'll take me ages to think of my best 11 um, would it really yeah 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 so, so many great players over the years at west ham it is and it's interesting james because will showed me a sneak peek of his and he has hernandez as captain and i thought that was really interesting <laughs> What made you go for that, Will? Well, I mean, who else are you going to pick, Charlie? If you want leadership at the top of the pitch, someone who's going to run goals. himself into the ground for the cause. Yeah, goals. Exactly. Who better than Javier Hernandez? It's surprised it's just not 11 Sebastian Schemmel. <laughs> no, that is true. Yeah. You know what? I was pleased with, though, like you, you mentioned it there, the, the guys at Euro 11, and the products are, they are really nice, to be fair. They're the sort yeah. of things that anyone would uh, would appreciate hanging up in their house just they're important to note as well they're not just West Ham they do do West Ham ones but they do do other clubs but the West Ham standard cult 11 that they've got so you can either pick your own 11 like James mentioned there or they have like a standard cult 11 and you know you had Ludo McCloskey and Gold Palo Di Canio Mark Noble but I was genuinely buzzing to see Thomas Repka at right back people still look at me funny when I say he's my all-time favorite West Ham player and when he messaged me back on Instagram earlier this year, it was probably the best day of my life. What about, was it the lowest day of your life when you realised it was a burner account? <laughs> yeah, it was the lowest day of my life when I replied again, <laughs> and then he's blanked yeah. me since. <laughs> yeah, sad times, sad times. Thomas Repcar, though, obviously a hero of Will's, and we need to find out how the Sebastian Schemmel, the journey, the hashtag, find Sebastian Schemmel is going on. That's a, a later date, but we have had a, a great review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it, James. Just another uh, nice couple of words there. 
Yeah, we had one on on iTunes uh, from EADXW23. Um, one so of my favourite names. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, so it says love this West, uh, love this podcast. Not the first West End podcast, but certainly one of the best. Guys, a great knowledge and great banter between them. Love the quiz at the end. Good presenter and great show. So a, a great bit of um, bit of praise for you as well, there, Charlie. Yeah, yeah all, you all that was there. my review. You shouldn't have. Read yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> What's yeah, we've now found I, out I Charlie's username. Name. Oh, unbelievable! For <laughs> weeks that has gone under the radar. For weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so every, every, everyone knows now that if they're perusing online and they come across <laughs> EADXW23, it's mm. got Charlie Hawkins written all over it. <laughs> and more worrying is I use that as my password as well because no one wants a million passwords now, do they? I use that for everything. Tinder. <laughs> The lot, just whatever, West Ham reviews, that is my, my go-to one. Well, we are talking, obviously, all the West Ham headlines. That quiz for that review, that is coming up later. You won't miss that. And, obviously, the big talking points from the man, the legend, TC. But let's go to those headlines because now maybe are we seeing the easing of this lockdown? Maybe we've reached the peak, we've passed the peak. Could we see football on the horizon? Loads of different headlines, boys, I want to talk about. Actually, one today was even saying that, Halves could be less than 45 minutes. The games will be played at neutral stadiums. Will we kick it off there, neutral stadiums? West Ham are one of the clubs against it, as I think they should be. Brighton were another. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that West Ham are against it, to be honest, in the, in the, in the, in the short term anyway. I mean, the London Stadium is proposed to be used as one of the neutral venues. So while West Ham obviously wouldn't be able to play there, other clubs would and I'm not really certain I, I saw a few tongue-in-cheek comments on Twitter saying West Ham have been playing at a neutral venue since they moved to the London Stadium which I must admit a few of them did tickle me somewhat but no I I think the the thinking of it and I do get it and this is one thing I've been hanging my hat on when people have been talking about the integrity of the league I think people need to just stop saying that now because whatever happens this season is not the 2019-20 season whenever it finishes is not going to finish in the same fashion as it would have done before coronavirus i.e. with fans and all that sort of thing I think Jonesy tweeted the other day about how important the home advantage would be for our last game against Aston Villa and I'm I'm not sure I, su- I suppose even if there's fans there or not just being in your own surroundings, the same changing rooms and it being local to where the players live and the, the size of the pitch, which they still don't seem to have properly got used to. But you get where I'm coming from, that just the idea that everything about it is familiar. So whilst they might not have a, whilst you might not have a crowd behind you, there is some sort of home advantage. But mm. yeah, I, I, I say that I'm still sort of gradually moving towards okay, yeah, it, perhaps the season should be played out if possible. But um, I'm, there's still a lot of a big part of me that just thinks, you know, I, I, what's really the point? Because it, it's not really, whatever happens, even though Liverpool are likely to win the league. And if, you know, I just think if, if there's relegations, it's not, they're not proper relegations. I, it's, it, it still doesn't sit right with me, but I'm at that weird phase in the middle now where I think I'm kind of coming to terms with it. But it just... I'm just not looking forward to it in whatever form it takes. And James, what about you? What do you make of it all? Because we keep hearing these different reasons. Clubs going out, we'll say that, you know, the London Stadium is one of those neutral stadiums. A lot of London Premier League clubs. What are your thoughts on it all? I mean, I think the club are, are, are completely right to, to be questioning it. And there's no surprise that it's the bottom six that, that have all come out and said they're concerned with the proposals and that they're against the current the current proposal to play, play at neutral stadiums. Um, we'll mention my tweet there. Uh, you know, what, what I meant by that was that, you know, even if we're playing behind closed doors, that those home comforts will, will make a difference. And there's, there's an element of unfairness. If, if the relegation battle does go down to the last day of the season, it's, between, it's, a, it's a relegation shootout between us and Villa, which we were kind of half expecting to happen. Um, then if we play Villa in a neutral venue then that gives Villa a bit of an advantage because they played us at home earlier in the season. So we would have essentially played Villa away twice. Um, and it kind of, if we then lose that game, how, how is that fair? Um, because we were supposed to have that advantage that 
Villa had earlier on in, what, in September when we played them at Villa Park. So we've, we've already disadvantaged, regardless of whether there's relegation involved or not. Um, and so I just think that, you know, those bottom six clubs where there's a lot more at stake, you know, I've seen a lot of fans from other clubs, uh, quite funnily enough, quite a lot of Leeds fans on Twitter saying, you know, uh, they're a disgrace. Uh, West Ham should be relegated for that. And the, uh, the Premier League should just relegate the bottom six. Because obviously oh, yeah. they know that yeah, it's, it's mad. It's mad. And they know that, you know, if, if, this, if this doesn't happen, then there's a chance that Leeds won't get promoted and, and West Brom won't get promoted and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if at the same time, Brighton have said, well, we'll only do this neutral stadium thing if the, if the prospect of relegation is removed. Well, that then kind of defeats the object of finishing the season. Um, if they're gonna if they're gonna remove all prospects of being relegated and just go okay, well Leeds and West Brom can come up, um, then they might as well just go. Well, we won't play any more games. Liverpool, you're champions. Twenty two teams next year. Leeds and West Brom, you're you're up with us. But what's the point? You have to have that relegation aspect there if you're going to play the season. But at the same time, you can't take away that 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 potential that that advantage that home teams would have, fans or no fans when there's so much on the line in terms of relegation and staying in the Premier League? No, disagree. I was, I was, I seesawed no. and I was with you and then, I, then I was against you and then I was back with you again. But no, I, th- I think in my opinion, I don't know why that in order to get to a compromise, I don't know why scrapping relegation for this season is that much of a problem. And then welcoming two teams um, up. If, if that's what you want to do, if, if you must, you know, people are really kicking off about the unfairness of the teams in the championship who have played their hearts out all season, then fair enough. But I, why not scrap relegation and have 22 teams next year? Why not, why, why not do that? Because the, ultimately, like you said, the path you went down there was, well, what's the point if we're going to do that? The only point of all of this let's get it right now. The only point of any of this at all is so the Premier League clubs can get the broadcasting money. To get the broadcasting money, they need to be able to broadcast some games of football. That is the only point of all of this. No one, obviously they care a little bit about all the rest of the stuff, but ultimately the thing they care about the most is the 700 odd million pounds across all the 20 clubs that they're going to miss out on if no football can be broadcast for the end of the season. Because what if... What if they if they said, oh, we'll play the games out, but it's unsafe. If the government said, oh, yeah, we'll play the games out, but it's unsafe um, to broadcast them. There's no need to do that. But we can play the games for the integrity of the season. All of us, no one would be going, oh, good, because that's what we're bothered about. No one gives a stuff about that, do they? No one really cares about crowning champions or people going up or down. So if the goal is to to broadcast some games of football, why not take away the threat of relegation if you still want to crown Liverpool fine but why would you not do that because that's your that gets you to a a conclusion or a solution sorry a lot quicker wouldn't it if the league said right no relegation uh, who's up for neutral venues now then everyone in the bottom half will go yeah go on then fine then we get our money and the top uh, the people at the top can play out or the teams at the top can play out for their Champions League spots Liverpool can have the procession of finally getting the league one, we all get our money and then we crack on and put this down as a bad job. Why, why not? You, you mentioned uh, the integrity of the competition there. Um, doesn't it's a joke. There isn't any anymore. Doesn't removing relegation, doesn't mm. shortening, shortening no, the, 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 the two halves, doesn't plan behind closed doors. I mean, I don't mind the whole plan behind closed doors thing. You know, I think if we're going to finish the season, that has to happen. Um, um, doesn't, you know, all these little things that we're hearing that they're going to try and do, you know, reduce the amount of substitutions, whatever, that would, that, but the, removing the relegation is the big thing that kind of just removes all integrity of the competition. Those it's gone anyway. They're just going to play their youth team because they know it doesn't matter where they finish in the league because, you know, they got their money, they're staying up. The only thing we're going to be watching for the next, what, nine games, whenever it starts, is Liverpool winning one match to win the league and then watching Spurs miss out on fourth, which I suppose would be quite worth it in the end. But or they might even finish eighth, which would be even funnier. But, you know, th- that's all we're going to have to look forward to. Whereas if that relegation battle looks like it's getting quite, quite interesting, don't get me wrong, being a West Ham fan, I'd rather 
as if the season just be ended so there's no threat of us going down. But if the season is played out, then that threat of relegation has to stay there, in my opinion. It's got to what's, what's the point? But there's no integrity of the competition anyway. That's already gone. That's, that, that's already gone, isn't it? I'm not calling for hanging on to that. I think anyone who's calling for and saying, using that as an excuse or using that as something to back up their argument, on whatever side of the fence they fall, anyone who mentions the word integrity, I'm like, nope, shut up, because it's gone already. It doesn't matter. As soon as you, like, the, the home advantage thing, first of all, you're already not playing mm. in front of fans. So that's already a huge thing. The integrity of it's gone. If it was just about integrity, as other leagues in Europe have done, smaller ones with less money at stake, they'll just scrap it and go, this isn't worth it. What's the point? It's not going to be proper football whenever it does come back. So let's just leave it. So it's, anyone so, who says it's about the integrity, it's not. It's about the money. Are you standing, Will? If the Premier League was to scrap the season, no one void today, as it stands, no more games. We just all come back in August, September with the same 20 Premier League teams. Do they get their integrity back? I would, if it was purely on integrity, yeah, definitely, 100%. Because, and then if you start next season, whenever that might be, with fans, as, as football as we know it again, mm. then yeah, you're, of course the league maintains more integrity than, than it does anyway. Whatever happens, if Liverpool, even Liverpool winning this league, even though they're miles ahead already, whoever got relegated or in the Champions League, the 2019-20 season would and will always have an asterisk against it, whatever happens from now. So if, it was, if you took the money out of it, no one would be bothered with the hassle and they'd just say, scrap it. Yeah, and, and we're not only talking about inte the integrity, the league, what they may do, but let's talk about the players' side of it because we're talking as fans, obviously, and what the club will want to do behind closed doors, neutral venues. But will the players want to come back? Lanzini, he's obviously expressed concerns, James, about returning maybe without a vaccination. And maybe the players, they've still got a big part uh, to play in this. Oh, massively. Um, I think Tony Cotty mentioned it before, and I've, I've spoken to a few people over the last week have said the same thing, that you know, we, we, a lot of people forget that we're ex we're, everyone's desperate for football to come back without really thinking, hang on, these players are human beings just like we are. They, we're basically asking them to put their health and their family's health at risk just for our own entertainment. And that's morally wrong to start with. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are just like, no, we just want football back, don't we? You know, a lot of people are not thinking further than their own interests. And, you know, Sergio Aguero's come out, Memo Lenzini's the latest one to come out and go, hang on, no, I don't, you know, this is ridiculous. Why are we, start, why are we trying to rush this through? be mad to just start playing again without a vaccine or without any sort of assurances that we're going to be safe and healthy and our families are going to be safe and healthy um that's why i think the the decision over in germany today is baffling given what eight players have tested positive over the last week but they've just sent them home to self-isolate and they're carrying on from the 15th of may and it's still oh, hang on how many other players are, tested, are going to test positive if those eight have already tested positive? And there's the risk there of that happening here in, in England if they just put a date on it, get everyone back into the training ground, start training. It's a massive risk. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there's so much to think about. And a lot of people forget that for while football's great and it's fun and we love it, um, the entertainment comes from fellow human beings that also have families, also have their own health to worry about. So, um I'm not surprised to hear Lanzini come out and I don't think he'll be the only one over the next couple of weeks once these conversations with the Premier League and the FA and all the representatives continue. Um, there'll be more players coming out and just asking people just to calm down a bit. Yeah, what did you make of that Lanzini news, Will? No, I, I agree with John. I think it's immoral. But ultimately, the more you think about it and the, what James has said there, like Lanzini's come out, Aguero's come out, for every two that are willing to speak publicly about it, there'll be eight, nine or ten more who are scared. I remember when it was all coming to fruition and, you know, it was, it, it sort of crept up on everyone, didn't it? Uh, the whole lockdown thing. And I remember the last couple of days, you know, my work was kind of, we got told to work from home in the middle of it all. So a few people had already been told that like friends of mine and a few people waited another day or so afterwards. And I remember there was right at the last couple of days that I had to go into the office I was worried, really worried for, you know, myself and the same sort of thing for mainly myself. I'm, I'm lucky I sort of don't live with any elderly family members or anything like that. But a hundred percent, you know, and I'd, I'd definitely be worried now. I was worried at the time and no one really knew what was going on then. 
now if you're said oh yeah can you go back to work and be in close physical contact with 22 other people plus Sweat whoever else is going to be yeah. in the stadium yeah yeah i think and i do think it's like james just said there it makes an absolutely brilliant point about germany let's just make it clear the whole reason for all of this all of these conversations is because they want to put some games of football on telly. So why not just say that? Because like James said then, if, if, if there's another mini outbreak within the Premier League when we do this comeback behind closed doors or whatever, if there's a mini outbreak among some players, just say West Ham all of, by whatever fluke get five players, first team 11, we, who, get the, who get the disease, get the virus and are decimated and then you have to bring the youth team in well, where's the integrity there the, the whole goal of this is to play nine games of football per team for the rest of the season to get the money that's the point of it so why bother even pretending with all the relegation promotion all that stuff it's just a, it is it's immoral yeah it, it's certainly bizarre as well uh, Taylor today saying obviously maybe football will be played in less than 45 minute halves I mean we're talking about integrity now the game completely changing we won't even have 45 minute halves but there's also more headlines again Declan Rice we had Tony Cotty talking about it we're going to listen to what he had to say next a few little segments from that and obviously all the big Rice headlines Welcome back to We Are West Ham. Will Pugh, James Jones and me, myself, Charlie Hawkins. Well, as I'm sure you already know, there is a very special bonus pod at the minute. A whole interview with the legend Tony Cotty. Will and James got extended time with him just to really pick his brains on every West Ham anecdote you can imagine. But we want to play you some clips some special clips tonight just that raised a few talking points for us to discuss and debate and for you to hear, which hopefully will spark your interest as you should go back and hear that. They even went and done it off without me and I've had to go back and listen and what a special listen that was. But there was a few big talking points from that. We'll get through them all, but we have to start because there's been more headlines. It's been really kind of a running theme for us three on the show. He is one of the, the stars of the team, hopefully for many more years to come. It is Declan Rice. Obviously, there's been articles on it as well. Tony Cotty saying that Rice should double his wages almost instantly, make him stay at the club. And here's what he had to say. There's only two ways to keep Declan at our football club. Only two ways. And that is to win a cup or to play in Europe. That's the only two ways that you can keep a young, talented player like Declan at a football club. The, the problem is, well, you, your career goes so quickly. You, you blink. Billy Bond said to me when I was 18, he said, Tony, he said, enjoy every single minute of it. He said, because it will go like that. And I looked at Bill, and Bill was 36 at the time. And I went, Bill, I said, I'm only 18. He went, trust me, Tony. He said, you'll blink and you'll be 36 the same as me. What happened? I blinked and I was 36 the same as Bill. And the, the thing with Deck, he, he needs to see that the club is making progress. He doesn't want to be fighting a relegation battle every year. None of us do. So that's the first thing. So you, West Ham need to have a good cut run. We keep saying, have a good cut run. What do we do? Lose 4-0 to Oxford and things like that. You know, we can't be doing that. We cannot be doing that. Um, we need to be in the top 10. I've already spoke about that. And mm. the one other thing that the club can do in this moment in time to protect Declan and to protect the club is to give him a new contract but the point is, is if he was at Man United or Man City or Chelsea wherever he might go to he'll be on at least 100 grand a week so what the club can do is to at least double his wages and people say well you can't be doing that he's a 20 year old well no he's an England international and if you give him a four or five year contract on that sort of money you protect the value and the asset of the player so he'll mm -hmm. be worth 70, 80 million because you've got to get him out of his contract Tony Cotty there talking, obviously, those wages. We know how desperate we are for him to stay at the club. Lots of rumours of swap deals, Spurs getting involved. Moyes even having a joke about Chelsea and Billy Gilmore. Who knows where those swap deals. But if it's uh, Eric Dyer at, at Tottenham, he can stay there. Uh, he's certainly not one. We won't even carry him over for free ourselves. But here in TC there, Will, what did you make of those comments? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned earlier, Charlie, when we were talking to Tony originally, I mean, it is easy for a lot of us, a lot of fans and everyone to just jump on either headlines or jump on little, little viewpoints and just shout them loudly with no real thought. But Tony was really, really cultured in his answers there almost. Uh, obviously, 
like you said, but listen back to the full episode because he spoke about it a lot more. But that little clip we've, we've heard there, the main thing, as you said, that the, they should double his wages. I, I think at least that, because he's on around £30,000 a week at the moment, Declan Rice. And you've got our two highest earners in Philippe Anderson and Sebastian Allaire, who are in the region of 140000 So just because Declan Rice is a 21-year-old, he's an England international, and he's one of, if not the best player at the football club, and we should pay him accordingly. But I think that that bit stands alone on its own. But I think the interesting bit from Tony, or certainly the bit that makes the most sense that he was saying, it's not just about... Uh, keep our best player we should build a team around him he's pragmatic enough to know that Rice will perhaps leave one day but as an astute football club to conduct your business properly now is the time to offer him a new deal because a you might keep him in your team for at least another season perhaps two if you're lucky but even if you he signs a new five-year deal at 100 grand a week or if Tony's talking about doubling his wages there which would see him on about 60 or 70 which still isn't a lot if you pay him that money, give him a five-year deal for that length, and then he leaves in a year, then you get 80 million quid for him. And like I say, as an astute football club, that's what you should be doing. It's not just about keeping Declan for as long as we can, because we all know that might not be realistic. So no, I was, uh, I was impressed by what Tony had to say on that matter. I think, I think the, the key thing for me is that, you know, Tony mentioned that, you know, Someone like Declan Rice is going to want to win trophies at some point in his career. He's going to want to play for the bigger clubs. He's going to want to be up there, the, the right half of the, the Premier League, challenging for, for silverware, challenging for titles, challenging for the Champions You're League. talking about big team mentality, James? Uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard that term for a while, actually. That's me. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. <laughs> um, but if, if, so if, if, you, if you give Declan Rice that sort of, um, that wage increase and a, a five-year deal, whatever it is, um, then you you automatically give us a better chance of being that club that he that he competes with and competes for. I'm not saying we're gonna you know we're gonna renew his contract, double his wages, and suddenly we're gonna be fighting for the Premier League. But you keep Declan Rice at the club for two more years um, or one or two more years, then that automatically gives us a better chance next season. Um, of competing at the right end of at least the top half of the Premier League table, potentially going on a cut run whenever that will happen. We keep saying that every year. But if you keep your best players, give your best players what they want financially, then you give yourself a better chance of then holding on to them longer than you initially anticipated because you're challenging. Um, and as I said, I've said it over the last few weeks, you know, if we're going to really get to that stage where we are competing, um, then you need to do whatever is is possible to keep hold of your best players. Declan Rice is one of our best players, so Tony Cott is absolutely right from what he says. You know, if you have to double his wages to seventy grand a week, um, then do it. They were willing to give very similar money to Jack Wilshere. Um, so why aren't they willing? Why wouldn't they be willing, shall I say, to do the same for Declan Rice? So hopefully, um, that's the the route that the club go down in in the coming weeks and months. Maybe a bit of, well, it is a bit of a daft and ridiculous question, but is there any maybe part in this, this saga? I mean, obviously we know there's not much to talk about at the minute, not that much on the ground. So stories like this are always going to make it to the headlines a little bit quicker. But say Declan Rice stays for another five years, eight years, and he is, you know, the man of that team. But every transfer window, every summer, every winter, is Declan Rice going? Is he going here? Then, you know, should he go and play for the top clubs abroad? It moves on from the Chelsea's and Man City's. It's the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid. Is there any part of this for West Ham fans in this saga where we go, I can't be asked for this, every single summer, is he going? Is he moving on? No, absolutely not. Because, Charlie, look, this season has shown more than any other. People always talk about, oh, you know, it's going to take a long time for us to break into that top six or top half of the league this season more than any other shows that's just not true it's just not true look at Sheffield United Wolves they've both had really good seasons really quickly there's no there's no reason why you can't have a good team and build a good team with good players who are capable enough to do stuff in this league at the moment at the moment the, the quality of the Premier League in my opinion is poor the quality of all the, the old school big houses, you know, Arsenal, Manchester United, you might argue that those two are improving. And yeah, granted, but they're still there. Tottenham have had an underwhelming season. Nothing to say that they'll have a, 
really decent one next year, especially if Mourinho's still floating around like a bad smell. That's what makes all this more frustrating, I think, Charlie, because if you had the the old stalwarts, the big teams who are expected to do well at the top end of the league, which is what was keeping West Ham out, then, you know, people would be slightly less annoyed, perhaps if we were 10th or 11th rather than, you know, where we are in the league at the moment. But I just think it's there's no reason why Declan Rice couldn't be, you know, you're telling me he wouldn't get in Sheffield United's team. Of course he would. You're telling me he wouldn't get in Wolves' team. Of course he would. So if we apply the same principles those two teams have, where we surround Declan with a couple of good players, there's no reason why in a short space of time the team could not be good enough with the right investment and all that sort of thing, that, that we should be and we can tackle those sort of teams and be in and around that area of the league and competing in the Cups, which is the sort of thing that a player, exactly what Tony said, a player of Declan's calibre, which is one of my favourite words, there's, a, there's no reason why he couldn't be enjoying all that sort of thing and a bit be, just be a bit more fulfilled as well as financially. Mm. But West Ham's bar, and I'm sure Declan's own personal bar, isn't the Wolves and Sheffield United. I'm talking about if Real Madrid and whoever, the Giants, the actual European Giants, not the Molyneux and Bramall Lane ones, are knocking on the door. Does it, does it get hard every year to hear that? Because then we're talking a different calibre of team coming in for him. No, yeah. but then, then you, you take the money, don't you? And then you build, you, then you upgrade everywhere else. I've, I've said it time and time again on this podcast but you use the Bale and Modric model at Tottenham they had two players that they had a good team but they had two players who were far better than Tottenham Hotspur and they cashed in and then they upgraded their whole team off the back of that money they wasted so a lot of that, money yeah I don't know if Soldado yeah, but it gives them the chance to waste it doesn't upgrade. it yeah true yeah. Pendado, yeah. James what do you make of it the ongoing saga then I, I, I mean, I think that I think Will's right. You know, eventually, I think every every West Ham fan knows eventually Declan Rice is gonna is gonna go, um, and if he goes to a bigger football club for for a, an acceptable fee, then I don't think we'll be that bothered. Um, that the gripe would be that you know if if he leaves on, uh, relatively cheaply without the club really doing enough to or doing uh, yeah doing enough to hold on to him as best they can. Um, so yeah. Uh, I think, you know, we have to expect when you've got a good player like Declan Rice in his squad, a young, good international, he's going to be linked away. So, it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, we're talk talking about Declan being linked away, the ongoing saga, the clubs, always at the forefront of West Ham fans' mind is the board and what they're doing. We put that to TC, where well, you two certainly did. We always want to know what is going on there. And here's what he had to say on the people on charge upstairs. So, they took over and, and you know, they did put their money where their mouth is, and I would always stick up for them from that point of view. I think having said that, though, there is no doubt over the last 10 years, you know, they've done many good things, but they've also done things that haven't gone down well with the fans and they haven't been the right thing. So I, I, I mentioned about the, the team on the pitch, about being a great set of individuals, but you've got to play as a team. And I think that not only holds true on a football field, it holds true throughout a football club. Now, you... You can't run a football club if you've got a training ground. I know it's different at the moment, but in normal circumstances, if you've got a training ground and you don't have a chef serving the food or you don't have a cleaner cleaning the toilets or you don't have a physio or a doctor if someone gets injured, all the infrastructure that needs to go around the footballers, then everything collapses. And I think the same holds for the board as well. I think the board need to reach out to the fans. I don't know whether they will do this, but they need to reach out to the fans. And, and it needs to be a more team collective effort. But we need to work as a team. We need a clear strategy and a clear plan for trying to take West Ham onto the next level. And that's not in place at the moment. Always an interesting topic, especially to get someone. And it's quite hard, Will and James, to speak to a legend and someone who is so well associated and so well connected to one team because they obviously still link to the club, you know, they don't want to be too outspoken at, at in their views of the club. Good to get his thoughts. Will, we'll kick it off with you. What did you make of the, uh, Tony's thoughts there? Yeah, the sensible again. Just it, he, he speaks with integrity and I've said it before. He... Although he he is a you know he gets he's he's a paid pundit on Sky he does still get work out of West Ham in he, he performs some club ambassadorial roles very well I might add as well 
but I think just he doesn't let all that cloud his judgment. Um, and we mentioned it on the extended podcast that people can still go back and listen to with Tony. But I, th- I think I mentioned it there, just saying that it's so easy. And we do hear a lot, or have done, certainly when all the protests were going on earlier in the season, from people who are on the payroll at the club, who just churn out the sort of stuff that, you know, you sort of think, well, the club might as well have written that script for them because that that's what they're churning out. And, you know, fair enough. If the, a lot of these players... They, they they rely on the money and unfortunately in in the world we live in now it's it's nice to have morals and and principles and we all like to but ultimately and tony even said it himself he's still got to make sure money's coming in which he does with his sky work and his west ham work as do lots of ex-players who didn't earn the big bucks we're talking about with declan but i think tony avoids that trap and he does it skillfully and he does it well he's a professional broadcaster and he he speaks the truth he he gave credit to the board for putting money in, but he also mentioned there that they've done some bad things as well that, that a lot of the fans don't like and, and that they should look at themselves in, in certain ways and there is room for improvement. Yeah, and like I say, everyone's got their own view on the board and that's a lot of that's obviously quietened down since we've been in lockdown and rightfully so because that the, what's going on is more important. But I think, yeah, Tony, I just thought he spoke with with class really and all of it made perfect sense as well he didn't shirk anything and uh yeah i was, I was impressed I, I completely agree um i was uh, we, we, you know when he was talking about you know they deserve a lot of praise um a, a lot of west ham fans still now will say well no they, they don't deserve a lot of praise for for you know when they bought the club and they put their money where their mouth is and stuff like that but um, I've always been, I mean, I've been very, very critical of the board. Um, everyone knows that. Um, but I still look back at that time when they bought the club and think, well, do you know what? They were the ones that got us out of that mess. We could have gone into administration. We could have slipped down the leagues. That was a very real possibility. Um, but I was also impressed with the way that, he, you know, he did, he, he did mention that, you know, investment hasn't been right in the squad. Investment hasn't been right in the infrastructure of the club, i.e. the training ground. Um, he mentioned the training ground specifically. Um, and you know that's what the board need to use this period of time now, where there's no football. They can actually sit down and really focus on how they take this football club forward. If they're not going to sell up, I don't think you know. I don't think we're expecting them. Although a lot, you know, large, you know, percentage of the fan base want them to sell. If they're not going to sell, they need to use this period to really put together some kind of strategy, some kind of plan on how they take the club out of this what is a, a, going to be an economic issue for, for a lot of football clubs um, and, and beyond. Uh, and Tony, Tony Cotty put that perfect, perfectly uh, in, you know, in our chat. So um, I, think, I think everything he says about the board is absolutely, absolutely correct. And uh, I don't think there'll be many fans out there disagreeing with, with what he says, particularly about the, the infrastructure of the club and, and the transfer strategy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And to get the hat-trick of the TC clips, there's one more we want to talk about because it would be remiss, really, of the show, the pod, and you two to not ask about his time as a player. And obviously, talking about that special striking relationship he had with Frank McAvenny, and obviously, different types of players, different types of blokes, but just why that special relationship worked. But we just we just gelled after that first seven or eight games. Me and Frank gelled. We worked harder in training. Obviously, as characters. Um, completely different character. You know, I was very much play the game on a Saturday, you go in the players' lounge and with your family, you come back home, you have a takeaway and watch match of the day. That was my Saturday night. Whereas Frank was in the players' lounge having probably four, five, six pints and then he would get a taxi up to Stringfellas and having a great time, which I don't know which one's right and which one's wrong, but it depends on where you come from. But um, we was completely different characters. But we... Um, it's, it's amazing that there's so much of affection for not just us two, but for that team that we played in. Always good to hear that. Obviously, fond memories for you two, every West Ham fan. Uh, you know, a, a good time in the club's history. James, kick us off with it because you said it was a hero and idol for you to hear stuff like that. It's, it's kind of pinch yourself moments for fans as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tony Cotty's a, a West Ham fan himself and um, to have played such a such a huge role in in what is arguably our, our best season ever in in 1985-86 um it is you know is is what dreams are made of for for any west ham fan and that season 
was, you know, we, we should have won the league had it not been for that fixture pile up at the end. Well, I think they played nine games in April, uh, four in a week, I think Tony Cotty said. And, um, but that, that um, relationship we had with Frank McAvenny up top, I think it's 46 goals between them in the league that season. Um, that's a strike partnership that we've not had since. Since then. <laughs> and um, I mean, I think the closest we got to that was Hartson and Kitson. Uh, and they got nowhere near that amount of goals in one season. So, Canio um, and Canute weren't bad, were they? Eventually, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and Fritzby, it's come from a West Ham fan, which he scored the winner against Spurs in his debut and stuff like that. You know, he's, uh, to just be a part of that squad in 85, 86 would have been incredible as a West Ham fan, um, let alone a, a player going through that and experiencing, experiencing that. And I think Tony Gale's come out and, and said that's the best season of his entire career and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, it was great listening to a lot of the stories from Tony about that season and sort of some of the reasons behind what happened happened and, and stuff like that and his relationship with Frank McAvenny especially. I think that's what was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, it did make me laugh there where he said, uh, where he compared the two Saturday nights that he was going home and having a takeaway and watching match of the day with his family while Frank was having six pints and going to Stringfellows in, uh, <laughs> in the West End. But, um, Classic. Yeah, I, th- I think what, what intrigued me as well, and as a question that came in from one of our listeners, was why didn't the club kick on in 86, 87? Obviously, you come third in 85, 86. Why did we not kick on after that? And I think that was just as interesting to hear from, from Tony and hear the frustration in his voice still, that that was the, you know, the main reason that he ended up leaving or that he ended up leaving the club the first time. And yeah, he, he said it himself during the episode that it's typical West Ham it's almost a bit of a trademark he said I, I feel like I've said this before about being frustrated why we haven't kicked on he said there's been plenty of times uh, there was a couple during the 90s the early 2000s um, I think it was the year under Redknapp where we finished fifth he said we should have pushed on then as well the last season at Upton Park is obviously the most fresh one in everyone's mind um, yeah I, I just thought that was um, talking about the the Mac- relationship with McAvenny you said they're different characters but I think when he went on to elaborate when Frank left and I think Mark Ward left as well how that affected the team and how after such an excellent season rather than kicking on it just left everyone feeling a bit deflated mm. I think um, yeah it's certainly a good listen for anyone modern day or certainly fans who were who were involved at the time will know exactly what Tony was talking about yeah, free clips there. Please do go back and listen to that bonus pod because it's just a joy to hear from Tony. But also, James, I think, you know, from all of us, we should actually give a shout out because last week we put Bianca to the test. We said, please refer it. It was a new scheme of ours. And, you know, sometimes you never know what's going to happen. But uh, she come through uh, top trumps, really, James, there. Yes, special thanks again to Bianca for sorting it out for us, you know, within... Within the hour of us finishing recording last week's episode with, with Bianca, she she'd uh, sent me Tony's number and I got in touch and then within 48 hours it was all set up for uh, for was it Monday afternoon we, we recorded it so um, yeah thanks again to Bianca for sorting it out and first first one that's followed through on the referral friend scheme we're still waiting for and Dean to the, follow through uh, we've, we've put uh, the pressure on him as well haven't we yeah yeah we've put the pressure on um, we're going to be ramping up a lot of, a lot of tweets to, to Jimmy Walker and I'm, I'm sure he listens every week um, he did say that he was a he was a regular listener the last time we had him on. So, um, Jimmy, if you are listening, we need you on. Get in touch. And no, Jimmy, uh, we know you're listening, so get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And we have we have asked Tony Cotty to we've we've applied the refer a friend scheme to him, and he said that he's going to do his best to get Tony Gale on himself in the next couple of weeks. So, fingers crossed for that one. Well, at the minute, it's just refer a Tony, not even refer a a friend. So we just we do as many Tonys as we can. But brilliant to hear hear from Tony there. A a genuine delight. Hopefully, you'll come on soon. Our friends to the show, uh, not only were those clips, they were just some of it. So please do go back and listen and always get in touch. We appreciate it more than ever. So thank you for putting some questions to us on Twitter to put those to Tony. Uh, But you know it's coming up next. It is as hot as ever. We'll be doing a full rundown of it. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. Welcome back and this is it. We are West Ham. It's my favourite moment, not just of the quiz, probably 
of my life. Uh, certainly, definitely in 2020. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. It was really coming to blows. James was really out in front, but Will got a massive victory last week, swung from the ropes and delivered a blow. So as it stands, those latest standings, because we are running out of matches, running out of time. Will, not only did you win last week, but what are the current updated scores? Yeah, absolutely huge week last week, Charlie. I said it beforehand. I think it really, I think all the fans listening at home knew it would have been all over by then. But three weeks to go, including this week. The last round is May the 19th. The actual Premier League season would have finished on the 17th. So we're, we're trying to keep it in line with that. The overall score after last week's 2-1 victory for me is 14-13 to James on game weeks. So three weeks to go. It could finish level overall on game weeks, which means the points difference really, really is important. And James is still edging me on that 42-39. So 14-13 to James on game weeks, 42-39 to Jonesy on points difference. Three weeks to go, all to play for. Well, James, you didn't win last week, but you are leading this race. There's been no talk uh, between us three about playing it on a neutral venue. Will we play it behind closed doors, which we're currently doing? You are leading. Are you feeling a little bit more nervous? Because Will is making a dash on the home straight. Nah, it's just one win, isn't it? Um, anyone heard my reaction last week? It was, you know, I wasn't that bothered. I was actually quite happy for Will because I've never seen a man stressed. Um, and I'm just, I'm just doing. If my maths is is correct, a three nil win for me today means that Will has to then beat me three nil twice to level level it up. <sighs> so a three nil win for me today effectively ends Will's chances of winning this. So um, I just thought I'd just put the pressure straight back onto him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we know maths isn't James's strong point. He's worked that out since we last saw him. And I think if, if he knows that it's in sight, it's the sum that he can calculate, he's ready. The prize is there waiting. Big shout out to Reese Bayliss, who always does the quiz as well. Uh, tonight is an absolute cool car. You know how to play. You know the rules. Three players, road players, five clues. The clues will get easier. If you know it, shout it out. If you're playing along at home and you're better than the guys, tweet us. Maybe even tweet us some road players or some other clues or how quickly you got it. Guys, I hope you're ready. Fingers on the buzzers because this is your rogue player number one. Began their career in Argentina in 1996 as a right winger. Clue number two. Played 23 games for West Ham. Debut was against Stoke City in 2009. Anzini? Incorrect. What? Scored five goals for West Ham with his first coming against Sunderland. Guillermo Franco? That is correct. And that is Will off to a flyer because that is 1-0. Oh, Will picking up from where he left off last week. James, not even out of the blocks. If Will gets this next player, he wins tonight. It is massive. It is huge. And it's player number two. Play, uh, clue number one. Played 14 games for West Ham. Won the 1998 World Cup. Signed on loan from PSG. Bernard Lamar? And that is correct. Oh. And Will Pugh has won the quiz tonight. And might I say, and might I add, Will Pugh has won the quiz in absolute record flying time. My favourite bit of the show, and it's over in a minute. James Jones, that is a one, that's a round one knockout. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Did not see this punch from the roof coming. Oh. It's, un it's unbelievable. We won't even get a reaction because James may have mentioned tonight, if I get two free nils, well, it's Will who could get a 3-0 tonight. Not only could he draw level in game, he could draw level in points. Can oh. he get the clean sweep? Let me tell you, James is dazed and confused and does not know what to do. This is player number three. Momentum all with the pew. Clue number one. Began youth career at, at Arsenal. Excuse me. The clue number one began their youth career at Arsenal. Played 17 times for West Ham. Scoring on four occasions. Last goal was against Crew in the League Cup. 
Kyle Jenkinson? Incorrect. Shirt number eight. A playoff final winner with West Ham. I'm going to give you a quick roundup of those clues, those five clues for player number three. Will has won tonight. It is 2-0. Can he get the clean sweep? James maybe needs this point now. Clue number one, began their youth career at Arsenal. Played 17 times for West Ham, scoring four times. Last goal was against Crew in the League Cup. The Henry Lansman. Incorrect. Shirt number eight. That was a good shout though, James. A playoff final winner with West Ham. Ian Wright? Incorrect. Oh, you come through Palace, didn't you? Mm. David Connolly? Incorrect. Would you like the initials? Mm. I think I can Go get... On. Do you want to recap or do you want the initials? Re recap again, please, mate. Quick recap. Be uh, began their youth career at Arsenal. Played 17 times for West Ham, scoring four times. Last goal was against Crewe in the League Cup. Shirt number eight, a playoff final winner with West Ham. When did we play Crewe? Got to be initials, I think, Charlie. Got to be the initials. I could give you a couple more clues. Go on. He's currently at Mansfield Turn. Oh. Gary O'Neill? Incorrect. <laughs> Mansfield. Shall I give you a full list of clubs? Sam Bulldock? Incorrect, but you're getting closer. Uh, Nicky And that is correct, and that is 2-1. <sighs> 2-1, but Will may be a dampener on the night and a, a, a sour way to end, but you would have took that at, at the start. You would have absolutely grabbed it with both hands because it's a victory, and not only is it a victory, it's 2-1, which means it is 14-14 with two weeks to go, and it is 43-41. Uh, is that right? De devastating fashion, that, Charlie. I mean, if... Jonesy said that he wasn't rattled last week, then as you can see, you can vouch for me here that he certainly is now. I mean, uh, and you know what it was as well? This happens a lot in, in Premier League football. You'll hear teams or players after an event will say, oh yeah, you know what? I heard their post-match or pre-match comments and that really rankled us. So we all got together and thought, we'll show them. Mm. And you know what? I was fine. I had a lot of respect for James in this whole competition. <laughs> But just a little reminder beforehand that he only needs two free nils to knock it out of the water. Well, I couldn't have responded in more emphatic fashion. I'd won the game before Jonesy had even had a guess, Charlie. So I'm absolutely buzzing with that, even more so than I was last week. I knew I could do it. I had, I had faith in myself and uh, I've proved it to myself. Back on level terms, buzzing. Yeah, unbelievable. 14-14, just what the competition and us as the, the viewers wanted because it goes to that deadline. But before I bring James in, Will, I'm sort of the impartial one here, you two. Sometimes you claim you've got the best guest. So does James. What I have to say, though, is we've been doing this for a long time, the whole season. I have never seen a knockout, frightening, flying performance that quick. You, you dealt with it swiftly tonight. It was over before it begun. And that, that's the thing. And that's, you know, I've, I've got a lot of stick this season about my quick fire guesses. And, you know, you roll the blades. Are, uh, the, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of them have been, and a lot of them are wider the mark. But on, on this occasion, it's proved that, that technique works. If you've got a little bit of a hunch, if you've got a little bit of a clue, Jonesy was moaning last week because he thought Sergei Rebrov, but who said it? Me. Who got the points? Me. Who got the win? Me. Who's pulled it back level 14 or with two weeks remaining? Me. <laughs> well, James, let's bring you in then. It is 14 all. Again, James, I have to admit, I thought the competition was dead a couple of weeks ago. I thought you was home and dry. And tonight, you know, you've just come out there looking like you didn't even have a full training camp. You've just absolutely been blitzed. Yeah, if I'm honest, I'm still in shock a little bit, to be, to be fair. Um, I mean, I hadn't even had a guess and I'd already lost the game. Um, fair play to Will, especially given I, I gave that that uh, that real cocky spiel at the beginning. Um, 
I definitely learnt my lesson after that, to be fair. But I was just, I was quite impressed with my maths. That's why I started saying it, because I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, no, fair play to me. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say. Uh, I'm quite happy that I, I didn't get beat 3-0. Called mm. it back at the end. But uh, it does make the next two weeks very, very interesting. Um, I was hoping I would have had it all wrapped up by now and I've had those pints. But um, I'm now getting a little bit, little bit worried. A little bit worried. Well, James, you do have that slender lead on the points and maybe that will come down to it. You do have a two-point cushion. You know the rules, guys. I always give, before I sign on that, the champion the last say. Last uh, few weeks, James, you've dominated it for weeks on end. Will you keep that honour? You have the last word. Yeah, I, look, I, I, James is right. I think that last, the Nicky Maynard, could have been way more important then perhaps we all realise, you know, there's, there's two weeks left in it. If we win one week each, it's going down to points. James still edges me on that. That that last one really could have been key for me. A 3-0 would have been perfect. But it wasn't to be. But like you say, Charlie, I would have taken the win beforehand. I'm just hoping that, as has been the case this season, it's been a, it's been a season of streaks for both of us. I've got the season record of six weeks on the bounce. And James, up until last week, had five. So I'm hoping that it's uh, still a game of streaks and I can bring it home. We won't have to worry about two points with two wins over the next two weeks. Well, make sure you join us uh, for those last two games. You can, you know it. It's 14-14. You're not going to want to miss that. Please keep listening. Please keep subscribing. Tell your, fr- your friends. Review us and email us questions, topics. We are here for you. We know it's been a season of highs and lows, not just the football on the pitch, but currently what's going on. You've stayed with us. We really appreciate it. Please get in touch. We are West Ham Pod at gmail.com. This has been your West Ham Pod. It's been Will Pugh, James Jones, and me, Charlie Hawkins. We will see you next week up the Hammers. Podcast Network.